Welcome to High Performance Mindset with Dr. Sindra Kampoff. Do you want to reach your full potential, live a life of passion, go after your dreams? Each week, we bring you strategies and interviews to help you ignite your mindset. Let's bring on Sindra. Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Sindra Kampoff, and I'm grateful that you're here, ready to listen to an interview with Dr. Mark Anschel. Now today, Mark is talking about a very important topic of failure. And one of the reasons I had Mark on this podcast is because recently I read his book, In Praise of Failure, The Value of Overcoming Mistakes in Sports and Life. And as I was reading this book, it made me think quite a bit about how I approach failure, how I define failure, and also how sometimes I beat myself up after times I failed. And it also really helped me conceptualize how I help my clients, um, lead athletes, entrepreneurs, leaders, championship teams, how I help them define failure and, and overcome failure when they feel like they've experienced it. So uh, Dr. Mark Angel is very well versed on this topic. Uh, he's written a book just this year on failure. He's also written 12, 12 other books in sport and performance psychology, as well as 145 research articles. So in this in this interview, he really talks about how he came to study failure from his own experiences failing. And he says that we should, from a very young age, we're taught to see failure as harmful. But instead, failure should be viewed as feedback. He also describes how failure is a perception, meaning failure to one person is success to another. He provides lots of different feedback um, and advice in terms of how leaders, coaches, parents, and teachers can um, respond to to people that they work with when they have failed. And here are my favorite, a few of my favorite quotes for you just to listen for. Here are the few, few of the things that I really enjoyed. He said, failure is a stepping stone to something better. He says, we need to experience failure to appreciate success. And we don't learn unless we fail. So it's really a stepping stone to something better. So I look forward to hearing your feedback on Dr. Anschel's interview. You can head over to um, iTunes. We'd love for you to, to rate the podcast. You can head over there and just give us a star rating or a comment. And as always, would love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email at Sindra at SindraCampoff.com or I'm always on Twitter at Mentally underscore Strong. So without further ado, let's bring on Dr. Anschel. So, Mark, I'm excited to uh, have you on the podcast, The High Performance Mindset. So, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sandra. It's great to be here. Thank you for your invitation. I'm looking forward to talking to you about your book, In Praise of Failure, something that I just finished reading. So, I'm looking forward to that and just picking your brain about failure and how to help us deal with failure a little bit better. Absolutely. And uh, given this uh, culture we live in of perfectionism and not handling failure really well. I'm hoping this is uh, very important information for your listeners. That sounds great, Mark. So just to get get us started, tell us a little bit about your passion and what you do now. Well, I am actually a retired professor. Um, I am Professor Emeritus uh, at Middle Tennessee State University after a 33-year career in higher education. Uh, and, uh, and I'm writing, uh, which is my passion. I write books, uh, college textbooks, and the latest one I've written is the one we're talking about today in Praise of Failure, The Value of Overcoming Mistakes in Sports and in Life. So I am uh, active. I uh, have um, uh, contracts with other publishers for future books, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's an exciting part of my career, an extension of my career, in fact. How many more books do you have planned? Well, I'm uh, uh, one publication with one publisher is under contract, and that's with the American Psychological Association. Uh, I'm the editor-in-chief of a book called Handbook of Sport and Exercise Psychology, and it'll, it'll be two volumes, about 80 chapters completed, wow. and um, hopefully due uh, to the publisher by the end of this year. This year, so it'll be a busy year for me. That sounds like an amazing accomplishment. Not to only just write 10 in their textbooks, <laughs> so they're not easy to to, to write. That's it's true. I'm, I'm blessed with the, with uh, the ability to communicate in writing and print, and uh, I, I just have always enjoyed the writing process. And have a number of research articles out there, in addition to 
textbooks and uh, and book chapters. So it's uh, it is obviously something you you have to feel passionate about, or or you just don't want to sit down in front of the computer and, and get the job done. If you have a story to tell and you think the story you have to tell is going to make a difference in the lives of others, that provides a lot of incentive. Well, just tell us a little bit about how you got to Middle Tennessee State and just a little bit about your journey before we jump in and talk about failure. Yeah. Uh, well, I was a major in physical education uh, at Illinois State University uh, and was a uh, fitness director at the Y in Montreal, Canada in my first career. So um, it, it was great to uh, make a difference in the, in the health and wellness of people uh, that uh, I was leading in exercise classes and um, and teaching sports skills to their children. Uh, and I enjoyed, loved it, but I did miss the, the learning process and missed the campus life. And so I went back to grad school, uh, both at uh, McGill University in Montreal and then Florida State University in Tallahassee, uh, where I got a doctorate in performance psychology and sports psychology. So um, the journey has really been um, an opportunity to uh, really help people grow and learn and uh, and overcome failure, actually. Uh, so it, it's been a, a great opportunity to uh, to help others. That's always been my my mission. Mark, one of the reasons I picked up your book and Praise of Failure was because of what I see in terms of my work and a lot of pro athletes I work with. They have such high standards for themselves and perfectionism tendencies. They have. I'm just thinking even high level athletes, high school athletes I work with, college athletes, they, they really struggle with perfectionism and, and failure. So tell us a little bit about how you became to study this. You're, you know, you've already written 10 books. <laughs> why, why this one about yeah. failure? Well, uh, there, I guess there are a couple of things to, to say about why, why write about failure. Now, number one is my own personal history in failure, in, in which I was not uh, a, a particularly academically endowed student uh, in my primary and secondary education, uh, and, and uh, struggled, struggled academically. Um, I'm not saying I had a learning disorder, but I certainly did not pass an exam very often. And I, and, and I feel that um, a lot of people struggle with trying to meet standards that other people set for them. Um, and so to have an experience failure and then overcoming it, which is part B, overcoming that failure when I got into a, a small college, uh, to develop my study skills, to develop uh, the intellectual curiosity you need to have to get through a graduate education, uh, and uh, where I was very successful at the college and, and postgraduate level. Um, so, well, you've got to experience um, the downside of your mission, of where you want to go, uh, how, the difference you want to make in people's lives. You've got to experience a little bit of struggle and a sense of failure, if you will, uh, to, uh, to, to appreciate your achievements and overcome those initial failures. In, in terms of um, why failure, uh, the other thing is we live in a very critical culture. Uh, we, uh, we are a blend of different cultures that come uh, to this country from overseas, from various countries, and we are taught to succeed, that success is the only goal we really need to have to get what we want in life. And, and I think that that can be done to a, a, a very harmful extent where we're struggling with being all things to all people. We want to make a difference. Now, you, Sandra, this mentioned in this conversation the number of professional athletes you've dealt with who really struggle with failure and, and really uh, don't consider failure even an option. And, and you know, that, that is a learning mentality. We are taught to expect and appreciate and strive for perfection. And where failure is something that is harmful, should not be experienced, and we should feel bad about it if we do experience it. And, and this book is about all the reasons why failure is, is a good thing and contributes to achievement. Well, I can't wait to dive in more in terms of how do we teach ourselves to appreciate failure. Maybe, maybe to start off, just tell us like how you define it. Because as I was thinking about this interview and reading your book, it's, it's like, well, what really is failure? And as I think about times I failed, I started even questioning, well, was that failure or not? So just tell us how you define it. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, the, the first thing to think about failure is that it's a perception. It, what you consider failure for you may be uh, success for someone else. Maybe a teacher is proud of the way 
or a coach is proud of the way you've improved over time, or that you're staying with the task despite not succeeding initially and being perhaps having a losing record or not being successful in your definition of success initially, you have learned and used feedback constructively and have become better at that skill or at that task. That happened to me where primary and secondary education uh, was not successful. I, was, I, was, I wasn't an idiot either, <laughs> I was, uh, but I was getting C's, but I was not getting A's and B's. And if I wanted a college education, I needed those A's and B's to fall into place much more so than they did. But, uh, but I was able to overcome that. So the formal definition is experiencing a process or outcome that does not meet one's own or another person's expectations. And the reasons you don't meet some standard or someone else's expectations may be the lack of effort for skills, bad luck, or some situational factors. In sport, the opponent could have been better. But I think we have to be very careful that uh, failure is not viewed as something harmful. Uh, and when it is harmful, that, it, that is we lost the game or we made an error and we failed at something, that it be viewed as a stepping stone to something better. And that's what separates great athletes from mediocre athletes or those who succeed uh, and go to the top for those who struggle and drop out, that it's really a journey that to fail is a stepping stone to something bigger and better. You know, Mark, you, you said something about when you were describing the formal definition that failure is when we don't meet our own expectations or another person's expectations. Do you think that we should work to manage those expectations that we have? And do you think that contributes to our perception of failure or not? It, it really does contribute to, to failure. Uh, the perception of failure is a bad thing. You know, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little critical right now over uh, with people who are unfairly judgmental toward others uh, in a uh, submissive position. For example, coaches who demand perfection from their athletes, parents who demand perfection from their, their children, teachers who demand perfection from their students. Um, all of the people I just mentioned in power positions are making very harsh and often unfair and even premature judgments toward people in submissive positions. And instead of kind of rooting them on and, and being a cheerleader for people who are at least trying and giving 100% toward uh, being successful, we get critical, we get judgmental, uh, we uh, give people a reason to fear failure, which we'll talk about later in this interview. And, and we are unfairly um, harsh in our judgments. There is something called neurotic perfectionism in the psychology literature. And it's about people who not only expect perfection of themselves, they expect perfection of, of others at an extremely high level in which they do not view uh, mistakes or, or, or uh, making um, errors uh, very desirable. Uh, so as children, we actually develop a personality trait called fear of failure because we see that there are some very negative and harsh uh, consequences to, to not meeting the expectations of others and others who call our efforts failure. And that's harsh and, and, pre, and premature. So what advice would you have for us, you know, those, those parents or coaches, do you have anything off the top of your head in terms of we shouldn't expect our, our sons or daughters to be perfect? Well, you know, imagine, um, I'm, I'm going to give you a scenario uh, and let you know just how difficult uh, it is to be nonjudgmental in, uh, in, in how we uh, expect others to be perfect and not and not fail. Imagine being blindfolded and being given uh, a set of darts and being asked to hit a bullseye. And so there are five darts you're given and you're trying to hit a bullseye uh, on uh, the bullseye affixed to the wall and your performance doesn't improve one iota, not one bit. You, the errors, the a number of inches away from the bullseye are as extreme in the first toss as in the fifth toss. There's no learning occurring because there's no visual feedback. But if I was to tell you, you with the blindfold on and, and another five darts to throw it 
at the target, uh, how many inches or even centimeters you are away, up and down, left and right, from the bullseye, your performance will get better. So uh, that so your initial performance, uh, whether we're using the blindfold and giving feedback, uh, or, or using the blindfold and not giving feedback, all that matters in terms of our ability to learn, and uh, and, and not to fear failure. But we are a culture in which we're not very good about giving the feedback, and um, that's called learning. So when you ask, well, what advice can we give people in power positions um, in which failure can be beneficial, uh, being a good teacher, a good mentor, someone who gives good feedback uh, in which the person can, instead of feeling punished by it, feeling the sense of growth and development from it. And, and that's the first thing we have to do. The second thing is expectations, that we live in an error-prone world. We are not, uh, we are not perfect. Humans are uh, less perfect than, than machines, and, and uh, we have to be very careful before we judge others on their performance too harshly uh, and unfairly. That's really good, Mark. Your book is called In Praise of Failure. So why don't you just tell us some of the benefits of failure? You've already mentioned the importance of learning and growth. You know, could you expand on that and tell us a little bit more? Yeah, uh, certainly we don't learn unless we fail. I mean, the, getting what's called performance feedback is one of several uh, well-defined elements we need or components we need to, to learn. And so uh, we're in a position of giving feedback, and, and I've mentored students in improving their writing in, uh, as a professor. I've given uh, students feedback in, in terms of the proper study skills they need to be able to perform successfully on exams, especially exams that uh, are essay in nature in which they have to develop concepts and reflect on the content uh, correctly. I would say uh, learning is a t one of the benefit attached to failure is that we get from failure we get better we learn learning is defined as a permanent change in behavior and we can't have a permanent change in behavior unless we make mistakes so it's the mistakes we learn from that allows us to to improve the other uh, benefit of failure is mo self motivation we need motivation to um, to m make the effort to uh, practice and improve our performance. So motivation and learning are two outcomes from failure that if the, if the feedback from our failure is positive, specific, quantitative, and uh, ongoing, it's continuous, not constant by the way, but continuous, it's regular, then we will benefit from early failure. That's good. I, I, when I'm thinking about how I apply it to maybe my, myself or the clients I work with, I see when someone has a bad game, they're, they're more motivated <laughs> for the next game. And sometimes that next game is their, their career best game because you know, they're upset that the, the game didn't go very well. Yeah, and if you're looking at elite athletes, they are especially uh, vulnerable to having uh, – um, very harsh responses to to not winning. Uh, one of the things that coaches do so wrongly is that they view winning as the sole criterion for failure or success, as opposed to the components of the athlete's performance that contribute to, the, to that outcome. So, for example, let's say you're a quarterback uh, on uh, the Minnesota Vikings and you you uh, hit on 20 of 30 passes, uh, but you lost the game. Well, you're going to be self-critical as an elite athlete that you didn't hit on 30 out of 30 passes and won the game. So as going back to my earlier point of the decision makers who, who, who tells us when we are failures and when we're our successes, when, when do we know the difference and who is the source of that information I think one area of coaching that needs to be improved is that we inform our athletes of the things they did well, the things that they should feel good about before they get too self-critical. I, I used to uh, consult pro athletes in rugby uh, as a sports psychologist when I lived in Australia. And one of the things I noticed about uh, the elite athletes in rugby was that they would be very critical if they weren't perfect. One guy in particular 
when I asked him after the game, uh, uh, in a, after he had a chance to relax and recover and all, you know, about, about uh, how he thought he played, he said, he said he was terrible. But turns out, when I asked him all the good things he did, the list went on and on and on because we both knew it by the end of the conversation. He was very successful, but he was just so harsh that it wasn't perfect and it didn't end with a victory uh, resulted in the perception of failure to this guy. So I think we have to be, and especially kids, especially youth sports, Syndra, are, are very um, much uh, susceptible to dropping out when they view themselves as failures. Mm -hmm. uh, when children uh, say to themselves, I don't do this very well, my skills are not very good in this sport, they don't continue to play. You know, uh, the, the self-esteem is very fragile. Uh, the, the extent to which you value yourself as a person, as an athlete, is very fragile and susceptible to destruction, self-destruction, if people go around, athletes go around saying, I'm not very good at this, I don't have the skill, I don't have the ability. Mm -hmm. So we have to be very careful before we go around as adults and coaches and teachers and pin these labels on these kids as failures. Uh, before we give them a chance to learn and, and get better. Yesterday, I was working with a high school hockey player, and, and he told me that on offense, he's just, he's fearing making a mistake. And so he doesn't play big. He doesn't play aggressive. So, you know, you had mentioned, Mark, how fear is connected to failure. Tell us how you see that and what your thoughts are about that. Yeah, uh, it's a great point uh, because fear uh, leads to, anxiety, which leads to muscle tension and uh, a misorientation of, uh, of attentional focusing and concentration. So the whole fear issue is very, uh, very much a part of the reason athletes don't get better and often even, even quit sport. There is a personality trait called fear of failure, and it's based on the contention that we do not handle failure very well. We are afraid of it. Uh, we have past experiences that um, lead us to think that failing will harm us, will be something very undesirable, and even embarrass us. And I think we have to do a much better job to our students and our coach and our, and our athletes by informing them that failure, that is to say not meeting standards and expectations, is part of the journey. It's part of what we want you to be able to handle. And that handling of failure is called coping. Coping with perceived failure uh, is about when to think about it and deal with it and confront it and when to discount it and uh, not be overly concerned about it. Mm -hmm. uh, I've worked with, uh, the police with uh, a couple of police departments in my career. And uh, one of the things that uh, they fear, of course, is are making mistakes. Um, on the job that some of which can, can lead to either self-harm in which they, they get very hurt or, or killed uh, or uh, they harm someone else and, and cause uh, great damage, including loss of life. So um, they have to be able to uh, know when to cope using what I call approach strategies and getting into the situation and dealing with the situation head on very quickly or when to discount it, when to let it, let it go. Your elite athletes uh, have to do the same thing. When does an error become so important that they have to make sure it never happens again? And when is it something that's beyond their control? There is something in sport called an opponent, and those opponents want to win too. And sometimes they're going to be, they're going to beat you. They're going to be better than you on a given day. You know, opponent A that will be so far better uh, than opponent B uh, that. Opponent A has every right to claim victory and to be very successful and to cause you to lose. Is that losing failure? Well, what they were they were the better team. Perhaps uh, what you could do is learn from your your performance and uh, do a better job of in preparation. What did you learn? Uh, you look at football players and they come off the the field and on the sidelines. Almost invariably, those football players are talking to each other talking to a particular member of the defense or offense or talking to a coach about getting feedback on what is going on on the field that we need to know and incorporate so we could use that information uh, to uh, promote success for the rest of the game. So um, 
yeah, well, how we how we deal with with failure, uh, whether we approach it, we avoid it. Uh, fear of failure is something that uh, is uh, taught. It's learned. It's something that athletes and uh, all performers um, are something that uh, they have to be able to control, uh, and it's uh, potentially very destructive. You know, I'm thinking about how kind of what you're talking about, especially how we define failure is losing. There's so many things that are outside of our control in terms of if we lose or we win. Yeah, we can't control the opponent, right? So what would you tell a team or, you know, I'm thinking about how what we're talking about just isn't for athletes and coaches. It can be for anyone, you know, business leaders. So let's just say your team experiences a difficult loss or a setback. How would you suggest that they approach that? First of all, after a performance bout, now that bout can be a, an event, uh, it can be uh, a situation. Most of the time, you need a little period of recovery. You need a, a time to just settle down and um, allow your emotions to uh, reside and to uh, become even. If, we're, if we don't allow for recovery and we go on the offensive, on the attack immediately after um, an unpleasant situation, then we're, our emotions will prevent us from remembering the situation, remembering what we've learned from it. You know, so I won't call it relaxation, but certainly before the coach goes in the locker room and spikes up the players for the rest of the game or uh, gives performance feedback too, too suddenly after a situation that was undesirable, uh, give the athlete time to settle down and uh, be receptive to the messages that you want to provide that athlete. The other thing is to uh, make sure athletes are receptive to the information. And that means um, starting starting with praise, starting with a positive. Uh, I could see, quote, I could see you're doing all that you can to stop the other team from scoring, end of quote. I know you're giving 100%, uh, Susan. Uh, end of quote. Uh, you are uh, doing some things really well out there. You know, I like the the tackling, or I like the uh, the placement of your pitches for the most part. You know, they're going well. All right, so we have some things that are going well. So why I'm now I'm speaking to you, uh, Sindra. Why are uh, coaches not starting positive because of their own emotions, their own need to deliver information and feedback? And they're delivering feedback sometimes to athletes or to workers, to performers in any area uh, prematurely before the worker or athlete is prepared and receptive to the information. So if you're going to discuss failure with someone, that's not a problem. Start with a positive and make them receptive to the message. Tell them what is going well first. Because right now, immediately after performance, they're pumped up, they're stressed, they're anxiety-prone, and all that is, is creating a lot of self-talk in their, in their mind, in their head, that's interfering with processing information. First, settle them down, relax them, compliment them on something that's going well, and then, you, and then propose one or two, not much more than that, one or two issues or concerns that uh, they need to know and remember to prevent future failure. Okay. So take time. Don't do it immediately after the failure. Start with praise and then just address one or two issues or concerns you have. And we're talking a lot about coaches and athletes here, but I'm thinking of how this applies to leaders who have to give their you know, their employees feedback or teachers who have to give their students feedback, you know, just isn't, isn't just athletes and coaches that we're talking to or talking about. That's perfectly correct. Uh, and, um, uh, and it's great that there is such transfer uh, that uh, leading in sport uh, has great implications of leading in business and leading in any, in education and any business uh, venture. Uh, the same principles, you know, because the human machine uh, works the same and very similarly emotionally and motorically in all these performance areas. You've got to know when to go deep and get critical and, and be constructive uh, and, and, and when to leave it alone. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to be patient in leaving a situation alone. It doesn't have to be long, but 
I've, I've seen coaches come in the locker rooms. Uh, I've seen uh, business people, leaders, managers of uh, in business deliver very harsh feedback in meetings without soliciting feedback or input from the recipient, from the athletes, from the workers, uh, from the students. Uh, and so we are, we attempt to be these excellent deliverers of information, but sometimes that, that is a process and we have to reduce our own anxiety as, as leaders or reduce our own sense of emotion and, and, uh, even a sense of, uh, Betrayal, that's the word. Yeah, we, you know, the, the leaders and coaches and, and, and uh, business folks in leadership positions often feel betrayed by their subordinates for not performing better. And I think there's a process for getting people proper motivation and commitment to make change in their behavior. And Mark, what would you suggest in terms of, we've been talking about, you know, how leaders can help the people they lead deal with failure and give them feedback, but what about us as individuals? What would you suggest, what advice would you give us in terms of how we can handle failure, how we should approach it? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to get very personal with you and, 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 and admit something about my own situation that I think has a lot of implications for your listeners. And for others, and that is give yourself a break once in a while and stop being so self-critical. Because if one of the areas that I, that I continue to struggle with, um, and I've been blessed with great success in, in a number of areas in life, and I won't get into that right now, but uh, I have no reason to feel that I have failed in, in my career and every reason to feel uh, just the opposite, um, that we not be self-critical over everything and realize that patience is a virtue, which is a cliche, but nevertheless, very true. We need to be patient, not only uh, with the people we supervise uh, and uh, who uh, we uh, adore and love, but also for ourselves, that we are not uh, too self-critical. Because if if we're self-critical, we're going to develop that fear of failure personality trait. Uh, And, you know, the result of having a very strong fear of failure or uh, which also uh, transfers into high anxiety is quitting. You know, it's so painful to experience failure, uh, to uh, not achieve and meet our expectations and to be self-critical as a result that we just stop trying and we just want to keep ourselves out of that environment. So I I am sure there are some very excellent performers in in all areas of, of our culture who left the dream, departed from the dream of success at the highest level because they were impatient with themselves and uh, were uh, included, they were not good enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that we have to really overcome. Um, and, and we're taught to be self-critical. This is something that we learned from childhood. Uh, John was a bad boy. Uh, Susan uh, is a bad girl. Uh, we, we have to really do a better job of giving kids a sense of hope about how things will turn out better and to be patient about it. How would you suggest us to do that? Do you have any thoughts or advice for well, us? I, I do. Uh, first of all, I'm going to recommend some reading. Um, there, there's a, unfortunately, deceased uh, psychiatrist by the name of Gannat, G-I-N-O-T-T, Haim, H-A-I-M, Haim Gannat, uh, who wrote um, a few books uh, back in the 60s and 70s uh, but still so incredibly relevant to how we treat each other in terms of giving feedback. Uh, the book's title is Between Parent and Child. He also wrote Between Parent and Teenager, and the third book called Teacher and Child. And, and they're all three are brilliant. One of the things I learned is praise and criticize behavior, not character or personality. So I might say, you know, Sindra, I do not really enjoy uh, the way you carried out the assignment, you clearly could have been more uh, successful in the way you, you attacked, attacked this particular task. Uh, you know, it, I asked for three pages, uh, double space, then you, you gave me one, and you, this could have been done much more efficiently, and I'm going to ask you to do it again. Uh, as opposed to, Sandra, that was, that was a, a, a terrible piece of work. You know, you're, you're looking really dumb right now. You're You've disappointed me, and, you're, and, and I, I think you should be embarrassed about the kind of work you're doing. So you see the two different uh, angles here, uh, you could, and, and you talk 
to people this way in all lines of work. I, I remember a, a police captain uh, in Chicago, which is where I was born and raised, a police captain telling his subordinate, hey, you idiot, don't you know you're supposed to do this and that and the other? You jerk. Uh, and the name calling is, is quite accurate. Uh, he did not hesitate, this captain, by uh, making very character-destroying uh, comments and, and uh, words to his subordinate. And that's abusive and also very ineffective. So when you say, how do we use failure more constructively? Let's not punish people for not meeting the expectations of a supervisor or, or a leader. And then let's work toward uh, the journey that is that has to take place by giving people more more positive messages and, and even praise of what they're doing well. This 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 is a sophisticated changing human behavior is a very sophisticated science, and it doesn't happen easily. Let's help people make those changes. So if you're going to give somebody feedback, do that on their behavior, not on their character. I think that's a really good point that anybody can yeah. apply. Another another point is uh, try to give them what they wish for, not necessarily uh, what you're prepared to give them. So I, I might say to uh, a player, a, a, an athlete who's not performing well or not starting, you know, uh, Jane, I know you want to be able to, to get in there and play, and uh, I, I want to give you some playing time. Uh, right now we've got uh, uh, Audrey who is playing better at that position, and she's got to be our, our starter at this point. Let's keep working at your skills and see if we can't get you in um, eventually at some point when when you could start contributing to the team to a greater extent. And so you're giving uh, the athlete or any performer what they wish for, what they want, what they hope to achieve, but not promising that you're going to give them everything they want as well. It's, you give them what they hope for rather than what you're prepared to actually do. Without a sense of hope about what I can achieve to be better, uh, and when when you and one of my former schoolmates from Chicago uh, was the assistant police chief of Chicago Police Department, and I asked them why all the destruction and, and all the uh, terrible things that are happening, all these kids getting killed, and all the the guns, and and he, and he he gave me a couple of answers. One of which was alarming: that to be a member of a certain gang, you actually have to kill somebody with a gun. It's, it's really alarming to hear something like that. But he also said that these are kids who uh, were never taught the value of, of hope, of feeling the promise of something better to come if they apply themselves in a certain way. And without hope, without a sense of future, um, then the perceptions of failure will, will persist. And there's going to be absolutely no sense of promise uh, of, of a better tomorrow. Uh, and so it's this helplessness and hopelessness, especially the hopelessness in which um, the hopelessness is it's not going to get better. It's bad now. I have no control over my destiny at this time. That's helplessness no matter what I do. But hopelessness is it's not going to get better. I'm not going to be able to ever achieve, ever get out of the uh, culture of uh, and, and just not contributing to the community. Uh, the only way I can see myself getting better uh, at what I do is by being a better gang member. And that means doing what the gang tells me to do. So this pol assistant police chief said it, it's extremely culturally driven, all the violence we're having out there in the streets. And, uh, and that these are kids, and they are often just teenagers, uh, who are uh, totally wrapped up in getting through the day alive, as opposed to a sense of, um, failure, not achieving what they want to achieve um, with with time, and the only way to achieve what they want to achieve is with with, with a weapon. Unfortunately, yeah. So it's it's really uh, a matter of giving people hope. You you asked Cinderella the, the issue of how do we uh, how do we get people to feel hope and how do we prevent hopelessness? And I think uh, it's very important to give people a sense of control over their destiny. And this is where good coaching. Good mentoring comes in, whether it's the business community, sport, or exercise. I used to be a fitness director at the Y in my in my 20s, and one of the things I noticed that people who dropped out was they had no more hope of losing weight or getting fitter. They just felt that the expectations of the fitness classes were so high, and everyone 
was there to uh, kind of show off their uh, and model their improved bodies that the, the, the new arrival, the unfit person, the overweight person fell totally out of place. And there was a total sense of failure there when they wouldn't get fit and thinner in a hurry, like in a, in a few weeks. And this, and the dropouts are just accumulate when people don't feel they're going to get better. So, you know, the bottom line is to get people uh, a sense of hope, give them good feedback, feedback based on performance, praise when you can, and give people a sense of uh, accomplishment when they've got, when they have improved. You know, I think Mark really, the major argument I think we're making today and the theme of what we're talking about is that we should condition ourselves to see failure as a good thing, that it can provide us feedback and it's, it's uh, an important part of us moving forward. And you said earlier that we need a failure to be self-motivated and uh, to be successful. So tell us, how do you think we can condition ourselves to see failure as a good thing? You know, I, I like using quotes. And, and, I, and one of the things that I, I really liked was something that uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln said. He says, whatever you are, be a good one. And, and, I, and I think that if we view failure as part of the part of the journey of being competent and achieving at the next level, but always remembering that it, failure is inevitable, that we're going to be much better off than if we f- fear failure and view it as something that's very uh, undesirable and, uh, and even unnecessary, when in fact it is necessary. We also have to remember that failure uh, is a perception. And we have to stop calling things failure when, in fact, they're, they're, they're a building block. And that's one of the biggest things that's culturally based. Uh, you've heard the expression, failure is not an option. Well, yeah, if you're trying to uh, uh, put uh, three to five astronauts on, on top of a rocket and, uh, and send them off to the moon or send them off on, some, uh, on a space station, then, of course, uh, failure is not an option because lives are at stake. But we are very rarely in that position. Um, and, and the other thing about, about failure is to always remember plan B. If you have plan B ready to go, the chance of failure is far, far less likely to occur. Um, but uh, I'm going back to uh, my early main point, Sindra, is, is that we are too ready, too prepared, too uh, motivated to call something failure when it's really not. And to remember what we've achieved, what we've done well, to balance the perception of failure, uh, the not meeting the standards with other opportunities in which we did meet standards. Okay, so I got a, a, a D in history, but an A in English. Okay, I got to work on my history, but I feel great about my uh, English grade. So what can we hang our hat on? What can we respond to that says there are areas of my life, areas of this particular performance um, that I feel good about, that I am getting better at, that I'm learning and improving on. And that's where we have to get our unskilled younger people to, to uh, recognize that the journey isn't over till it's over. Uh, Thomas Jefferson said, I'm a great believer in luck. I find the harder I work, the more I have of it. I think it goes back to what you're saying earlier about not being so judgmental on yourself when things don't go perfectly or, you know, when it doesn't go as you planned or as you expected. So Mark, you'll appreciate that everybody on the podcast, I always ask them to share a story about a time they failed and what they learned from it. And the reason I do that is because to kind of demonstrate the same point that you have through, throughout this book is that you know, there's, there's a lot we can learn from failure and it's not, not a bad thing. So just tell us a story about yourself, a time that didn't go so great for you. Oh, the list goes on and on. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it could be as, as harmless as uh, a, a, an incident in which I struck out four times in the game and, uh, and uh, learned from a coach on the other team of all, of all things that one problem I'm having, uh, he said, why you struck out four times in this game, I was about 14 or 15 at the time, um, is that you're not anticipating the, the pitch. Yeah, so where I saw failure uh, as is the primary explanation or outcome rather, the outcome was failure and striking out four times 
what I was able to do is take a message. You're not anticipating the, the, the pitch. You're reacting to the pitch. And you've got to think to yourself, swing, even before the ball, before you've decided to swing. Think, swing. And sure enough, uh, all major league hitters know that they have to be in a position to swing rather than react to the pitch um, and to uh, react sometimes quite late and, uh, and not be successful as a hitter. So that's a, that's a, a small sport example. Um, but I think for me, in terms of my life and why I even wrote the book, was the transfer from elementary and secondary school to college. And uh, I, th- I think going from being a mediocre student to one who made dean's list every semester uh, of college and, 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 and graduate school, that to me was eye-opening. Um, not only was, well, let me, let me put it this way. I studied so hard um, that no one was going to take away the opportunity I had of being a professional in whatever area I wanted to go. And in this case, it was teaching. You know, if I had uh, teaching and even even coaching in mind, but mostly teaching, um, it was going to because I made the effort to get the grades I needed to get. And after three years of being a fitness director and teaching sports skills uh, at, the, at the Y in, in recreation, I decided that I had such a satisfying career in higher education as a college student that I wanted to go back to school and get my master's and doctorate uh, to be a professor. And uh, even now when we have these reunions, people cannot believe that Anshul has a PhD. It, this is, <laughs> it, it, just, it just is way beyond the comprehension that this guy who was pulling all C's and a few D's in, in high school uh, went on to get uh, both a master's and a doctorate and uh, publish 140 research articles and t- write 10 books. Amazing. I mean, uh, th- that to me, that to me was really uh, just eye-opening, and um, I feel blessed every day yeah. that I'm able to uh, reflect on on this level of accomplishment. I don't talk yeah. about it much, but I but I feel it. And I think that just shows your resiliency mm-hmm. and how you have you practiced what you preach in terms of what you've been writing about in the book that you. You learn from the failures as you went along. So, all right, the, the, the book we've been talking about is called In Praise of Failure, The Value of Overcoming Mistakes in Sports and Life. Tell us how we can get a hold of that book, Mark. Thank you for, for that, Cindra. Uh, I do know that uh, Amazon.com sells it because um, I've seen it on there. As long as you uh, put in my full name of Mark Anshel, A-N-S-H-E-L. Um, and, of course, the, the publisher, uh, who is Roman and Littlefield, their, their main office is out of uh, Maryland, but uh, Roman and Litfield, uh, of course, have a website like all publishers do, and you can get, get uh, through that as well. It's in hardback, and I, uh, I won't speculate on the price, but I like to think that the, the message there is profound and something that I've discovered is not uh, published very often. I, I did my best to look at other books that were in this a genre of, of failure and there are very few out there. So I hope uh, it makes a difference for some people. Absolutely. It made a difference for me already. So I appreciate that. And I'll make sure for those who are listening to put those websites and those books listed on the show notes page under Mark's interview. So you can head over to Dr. Sindra. It's D-R-C-I-N-D-R-A. So you've given us a lot, Mark, in terms of how to see failure as part of a journey to help us get to the next level. And it's really a perception. So just tell us, you know, what final advice do you have for, for those people who are listening? No, no I guess the, one of the things I want to emphasize is that to be patient with yourself. Uh, we all need extra time and practice and feedback to improve and get better. Uh, we lack patience often, often because others are prompting us to do something better. Uh, and we don't want to lose. We we want to win, and we get very self-critical when things don't go our way very quickly. You know, I used to be in the fitness industry, and people quit their exercise after just a couple of months trying because it didn't go well enough. It wasn't satisfying enough. They didn't lose enough weight quickly enough, and so we have this lack of patience. And uh, if you have a a, a sense of um, the need to achieve is something that we all have, but it takes time to achieve, then we're going to successfully 
uh, not view failure as so inevitable and so hostile and negative for us. So that's very, very important. Be patient with yourself. Uh, obviously, look for the good in others. Praise when you can. We're all on the same team here. We're all, the, we're all taking the same journey. Uh, and um, give people opportunities to improve. Recognize competence. Uh, one of the things we don't do well is appreciate uh, competent, and ach- competent behavior and achievement. Uh, we probably just need to be more aware of the need to uh, praise others uh, from competent performance and, and achieving at the next level. And I think uh, we're going to find people far more receptive to our message if they realize that uh, we're on the same journey. And how could people reach out to you, Mark, if they're interested in connecting with you in any way? Okay. Well, I, uh, what I don't have is a consultancy. <laughs> I, I'm a writer, and uh, I enjoy that, and I'm under contract to, to write a handbook for a very large publisher. Um, but I am open to email. Uh, and if anyone wants to write me my personal email, I have a university email, but uh, I prefer to use the personal one uh, in this situation. I'm going to give you that email address. It's my three initials, M-H-A, followed by 333 at Comcast.net. M-H-A, 333 at Comcast.net. And I promise a response to every inquiry. And nice. it's free. I, I'm not, this is not for money. This is a free service oh, that's to anyone awesome. who would like to contact me. That's excellent, Mark. There's so many things that I wrote down when you were talking. Some takeaways that I just took from it was the importance of really seeing failure as part of our journey, that it's helping us get to the next level and how it can help us be motivated. It can help us learn in this building block just to help us get to where we're intended to go. Mark, I just want to thank you so much for your time and your energy and uh, all of the the books that you've written to help people just learn more about how they can better themselves and how they can use the principles you talked about today. So I appreciate what you've contributed to our field. Yeah, you are more than welcome. It's been a pleasure to be your guest today. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for listening to High Performance Mindset. If you like today's podcast, make a comment, share it with a friend, and join the conversation on Twitter at Mentally Underscore Strong. For more inspiration and to receive Syndra's free weekly videos, check out DrSyndra.com.